Have you given yourself to the cause of Christ? We can't be Christian consumers. That doesn't fulfill the Great Commission. Budgets and great attendance is not a barometer of the spiritual health of the church. The barometer of the spiritual health of the church is spiritual multiplication. This is Living a Legacy with Bible teacher Crawford Lorenz. When we become passionately involved in a cause, we tend to go all in, right? But when it comes to the cause of Christ, are we passionately all in for Him? Committed to the multiplication of disciples? Well, that can be a convicting thought for us, but it doesn't have to be just that. It can be a challenge or springboard to refocus and adjust our perspective. Stay with us and let's learn together. Today, Crawford presents the second half of a message he began last week called All for His Cause. It's part of our multi-sermon series titled His Church. Now, if you hear the word series and think, well, I'm not up to speed on what Crawford's been talking about, so I'll move on. Well, (laughs) not so fast. This is something for all of us, whenever, wherever. So please stay with us. For newcomers, Crawford has dedicated over 50 years of his life to Christian ministry. He served for many years with Campus Crusade for Christ. He's been a pastor in Roswell, Georgia, and now heads Beyond Our Generation, a Christian mentoring ministry. Crawford has authored such books as Leadership as an Identity, Lessons from a Life Coach, and Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. Well, let's take a look at the central focus of our lives right now and see how that lines up with what the Apostle Paul is talking about in his letter to the Church of Colossae. Our text is Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Colossians 1, 24 and 25. Here's the second half of Crawford's message, All for His Cause, on living a legacy. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And that's the nature of the Great Commission. And Paul said, that's my calling. And you need to know what I'm giving my life for. You need to realize that. I'm not playing some little pragmatic growth game. We're all about transformation. We're all about people coming to Jesus and multiplying the impact and influence in their lives. So there's this heart and then there's this calling But then in verses 28 and 29, he underscores this passionate pursuit. It's it's like he's saying, look, this is not a gig with me. This is not a hobby. This is urgent business. This is my life. This is why I was born and placed on this planet. So this is what my Savior called me to do. So listen to what he says. Verse 28, he says, Him, Christ, Him, Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. A couple of observations. He says, I want you to know Him, Him, the core to discipleship is not somebody's strategy, but it's the person. Him we proclaim. And the use of the word proclaim doesn't just mean him standing behind some pulpit and preaching. It means the loud message of my entire Christianity is Jesus. 
Nothing in my walk with God eclipses Jesus. Nothing about me should eclipse Jesus. He is the ostentatious, conspicuous message of my life. Jesus. And let me just say to you, be very careful. Be very careful. Cults have a way of sliding in. And the way cults get us, particularly our young people, but some of us old folks who should know better, the way the cults get us, they don't get us by giving us, you know, an extreme contrast like an A to, a to Z. No, no, no. They, they come along and they, they, they get, whether than A, A minus. I'll give an illustration. There's one cult that's been around for years that continues to wreak havoc on college campuses. Under the guise of discipleship. And they will hijack passages like uh, Luke 14. Anybody that comes to me doesn't hate his mother and father, this kind of thing, to siphon people off. And what they do is that they elevate process over the person of Christ. It's not so much that what they're saying is specifically wrong, it's that they, it's the emphasis that is wrong. And so they elevate an emphasis above the person of Christ. And so before you know it, you, you, you have all these regulations and rules and they're holding you accountable to this and you can't call your parents and you can't go back to your local church because they don't really represent this kind of discipleship. And before you know it, they're off. They don't spend a lot of time specifically talking about the supremacy of Christ. They can't. They've got a grand sovereignty to their approach. But Paul says, him we proclaim. Him we proclaim. And y'all hold me accountable. If you ever hear me not talking much about Jesus, blow up my phone and my email. We need to make much of Jesus. He's the one that transforms us. And then how do we do it? The text says, by warning. Paul says, no, we warn everyone. Not all truth is the truth. And part of our responsibility as followers of Christ is to warn people. Warn them about what's right and warn them about what's wrong. And let me just say this. I say this several times a year and I want to say it again right now. Uh, look, look, y'all grown folks and you can do whatever you want to do, okay? So you, you make up your own mind. But let me encourage you about being better stewards of your social media platforms. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, now you can do what you want to do, but this is one of the reasons why I very seldom, and, and I don't think any, any at all, uh, I, I, don't, I don't get into certain issues on my platform. And the reason why I don't is not that I don't have personal convictions or, or, or views about things. I, I, you come tell me, you talk to my wife, I got a lot, of, a lot of views about stuff, politics included. It's not that I don't have them, but it's because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I don't want to erect a barrier for people coming to know my Savior by something that will say, I will say irresponsibly. I don't, want to, I don't want to give this rant and stream of consciousness. And before you know it, I've erected a barrier. Him we proclaim. Instructing them 
about the person and the work of the Lord Jesus and who he is. The expression, everyone, everyone, is urgent. God has only one strategy to reach the world. Only one. And that is multiplying disciples. People who have come to Jesus, who have become more like Jesus, who invite other people to come to Jesus, who become more like Jesus, who invite other people to come to Jesus, who become more like Jesus, who invite other people to come to Jesus, who become more like Jesus. That's, all, that's the only strategy he has. And you, can, you, can, you can do it whatever way you want to. You can build huge organizations. You can build big churches. You can have house churches. You can have all kinds. You can, you can flesh it out any other kind of way you want. But listen, listen, listen. The vehicle ain't the destination. The destination is discipleship. And that's the only strategy that he has. And so Paul is saying, look, we're teaching every man. We're warning everyone because we want to win. And then he gets to us the realization that this ain't easy. Notice what he says here. Verse 29, he says, the whole point of this, the whole goal of this is to present everyone mature in Christ. That's the whole point of discipleship is to present everyone mature in Christ. Now, we have to understand maturity is a relative thing. We never outgrow the need to be discipled. But we want to present everyone who mature in Christ in the sense that they are self feeders, that they own the spiritual nourishment and direction of their own lives, and they own the mission, and they're committed to it. And we want to present everyone mature in him. Now, now, Paul says this is not easy. This is not a piece of cake. Verse 29 says, for this, what's the this? The this is the presenting everyone mature in Christ. That's the this, that portrait. For this, he says, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Toil and struggle, toil and struggle, toil and struggle, toil and struggle. Paul didn't feel like doing this every day. It's hard. Making disciples, you're coming up against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, let's get real. I mean, don't, don't glamorize Paul. Sometimes we think Paul did not have the same problems. We, he, had, he had all kinds of problems. <clears throat> Mind you, he's in jail. And again, as I said here, this ain't no club med. He's in jail. Can you imagine how he's feeling? You know, maybe his back is killing him. He's got a headache. The, the knee is swollen. All kinds of, you know, he, he was beaten a number of times. I don't know, and arthritis is setting in, and maybe he can't see. He doesn't feel like writing. But he makes himself crawl over to the corner and go through this prayer list of people, and he's praying for them. <coughs> and he's writing, and maybe his knuckles are like my mother's knuckles were. She had arthritis, and they're crimped up, and he's trying to write these letters. Why doesn't he mail it in? Why doesn't he quit? Because he was consumed by the mission. He says, for this I toil. And he says, struggling. The word struggling there is the Greek word uh, agonizomai. We get the English transliteration agonized from that. Listen, listen. The making of disciples... It's not a piece of cake. It's hard work. 
Getting involved in people's lives can be messy. You're dealing with your stuff and you're dealing with their stuff. You're dealing with your sin, you're dealing with their sin. You're dealing with the devil, you're dealing with curses, you're dealing with all kinds of stuff. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, this is grown folk stuff we're talking about here. This is, this is the heart of Christianity that we're talking about here. We're not talking about programs that make you feel good. We're not talking about stuff that props us up and makes us smile. But we're talking about the stuff that changes the world. We're talking about my pastor when I was a teenager, bivocational, we never had more than 100, 150 people in that church on a good Sunday, who was bone tired from working long shifts at Ford Motor Company in Metuchen, New Jersey. Would stay up late at night studying so that he could preach and lead prayer meetings and pour into the young people and always had time for knuckleheads like myself and others. For this I labor and toil. And many of those people like him never preached to a crowd larger than four or five hundred people. And I think about it sometime. He labored and toiled. So hear me on this. If we're going to be a disciple-making church, it's not going to be the product of just good strategies and ideas. It's going to have to come out of hearts that are passionately committed and really believe that this is God's only method. For this I labor and toil. And by the way, by the way, he finished that line off. He says, now there's a, there's a paradox here. He said, I don't want you to feel sorry for me because for this I labored and toiled with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. You know, he gives me what I need to do what needs to be done. But it's not like there's not a price. Yeah, there's a price, but he meets me at that point of need. He shifts over here now. He says, now, now this is what the cause of Christ should do in us for others. Secondly, in verses one through five, this is what the cause of Christ should do through us for others. What's the end game? What should other people be? What, what do we want to see take place in their lives? And I'll just click these off real quick. The first thing we want to see in them is encouragement. We want them to be profoundly encouraged. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, For I want you to know that how great struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Now, in the region of Laodicea, evidently Paul had not been there. He says that, I, I, you know, I don't know you, I, you don't, you, I've not seen you, Epaphras says some wonderful things about you, I've been praying for you, but I want you to know, even though I've not seen you, I, I just want you to be encouraged. That's the reason I wrote the letter. I just want you to be encouraged. My joy is your joy. <laughs> My blessing is your welfare. I want you to be encouraged. Paul was focused on an encouragement that was anchored in an understanding and knowledge of Christ. The second result of all of this, what the cause of Christ should do through us for others, encouragement, number two, but focus. I want you to be focused. 
Again, the last part of verse uh, 2 says, uh, the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's saying, I want you to be focused on Christ. I want you to be focused on Christ, because in Christ, in him, all the treasures of true knowledge and wisdom. It is a person. It is a person. It is a person. If Jesus Christ is not central to all that we preach and teach, then what happens to us when we preach and teach is that we will become legalists. We will become legalists. Dynamic Christianity has to do with the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Now, don't look at me so strangely because Revelation chapter 2, that was a problem the church at Ephesus. They had right behavior and right beliefs. And yet, and yet Jesus says, you have left your first love. They had abandoned Jesus for their right behavior and right beliefs and called it discipleship. Discipleship has to do with a person. Never forget that. Never forget that. It has to do with the person. And so he's, Paul is talking about Christ, 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 Christ. Him we proclaim. And he is the one we ought to look like. And that's what it's all about. Be, be very careful of, there's a difference between discipling and mentoring. Mentoring has to do with, uh, it's a broad, broad swath there. It has to do with the, you know, the acquiring of life skills and modeling after other people and learning from them and, and this kind of thing and appropriately becoming like them. Now, I know Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, but New Testament discipleship has to do with Christ-likeness. Don't ever get into any discipleship relationship where the person is stifling you with their personality. Get away from that relationship. Biblical discipleship has to do with the path of becoming like Jesus. And your discipler should always be pointing you to the person of Christ. Even though they may use illustrations from their life as to how they do things, they're not the end game. And they're, they're not the theme and subject matter of their disciple. Jesus is. Because real knowledge and real wisdom comes from him. This is the reason why some discipleship groups need to be busted up. They're too ingrown. They're too incestuous. Any discipleship group that does not push you to multiply what you've learned, you probably need to get out of that group because it's dysfunctional. Of necessity, there's replication. Of necessity, there's movement. And there's Christ-likeness. So he wanted them to focus on the knowledge that comes from Jesus. Knowledge is the apprehension of truth. Wisdom is the application of that truth to life. And what he's saying is that Jesus is the dynamic, transforming agency of real knowledge and real wisdom. That's what power is. And then number three, what the cause of Christ should do through us for others is produce faithfulness. And I take this by means of implication and application because he's looking at the church there at Colossae and he says to them, he's really applauding them. Verse 4 says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Now, 
Um, we're going to get into something later on about this, but uh, one of the, one of the um, heresies floating around this region of the world during this time was Gnosticism. Gnosticism had to do with the worship of knowledge and the celebration of argument and this kind of thing. And so uh, it's more to it than that. But he says, uh, let no one delude you with plausible arguments. You don't need to do that. You just be faithful to the truth. Verse four, 5 says, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order, discipline, and the firmness of your faith in Christ. I heard about this from Epaphras. Stay faithful, that's what he said. Stay faithful. You, you, don't, you don't need to be like somebody else. Just, do it. you know, make it do what it do. Stay faithful. And that's what you want to see. That's what you want to see in your disciples. That's what you want to see in other people. That they're going to be faithful. Well, as I wrap this up. I just have a couple of questions I want to ask us. Have you given yourself to the cause of Christ? Have you given yourself to his cause? Has it occurred to you that God has called you to be a multiplying disciple? Are you being discipled? We never outgrow discipleship. I'm I'm still being discipled. We never outgrow it. Are you being discipled? And then in turn, do you have two, three, four people that you're pouring your life into, that you're discipling? You see, we've got to take this to the next level. We, we can't be Christian consumers. That, that doesn't fulfill the Great Commission. Great attendance is not a barometer of the spiritual health of a church. Did you hear what I just said? Budgets and great attendance is not a barometer of the spiritual health of a church. The barometer of the spiritual health of the church is spiritual multiplication. That's the barometer. Crawford Lawrence here on Living a Legacy. Well, it makes us think, doesn't it? Are we committing ourselves to the one thing Jesus has asked all of us to do to make disciples? Thank you, Crawford, for that challenging and motivating message titled, All for His Cause. This is part of Crawford's series, His Church, based on the book of Colossians. We're getting great insights from the Apostle Paul on how we, as the church, need to keep Jesus at the center of all we do. If you missed out on part of today's message, you can stream all of it on our website. Go to livingalegacy.org, look for the link, Past Programs. There's also a link to connect you with our MP3 library containing many of Crawford's messages, including the ones in this series, His Church. They can be downloaded there for free. Start with livingalegacy.org. Let me take a moment here to encourage you to connect with us. Just a short note is all it takes. This assures us that this program is meeting a need and is a necessary part of this station's weekly programming. The easiest way to get in touch with us is through our website. Go to livingalegacy.org. Look for the Contact tab. Click on that and you'll have a place to jot down a few notes. livingalegacy.org. We'll look forward to hearing about what you're learning through Crawford's teaching livingalegacy.org. Look for the contact link. Next week, Crawford takes us to Colossians 2 to explore our freedom in Christ and hope you'll be right back here with us. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thank you for listening. 
This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.